Greetings, and welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host, Andrew Stamper. Tonight, we have the privilege of a repeat guest. I didn't know I would ever bring him back after our last one. No, just kidding. He's awesome. In fact, uh, one of my favorite people in the whole world, my kid brother, Nathan Stamper. So what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Just, you know, a couple new developments in in the, you know, Chateau de Stamper. But yeah, pretty fun stuff. What's going on, man? Well, I had a lovely apartment fire. Uh, (laughs) So there's that. And got a new job. So there's also that. So, you know, fun stuff. Fun stuff brewing. Yeah, some good, some bad. Uh, Tell me a little bit about this apartment fire you're referring to. Oh, man. Uh, Where do I begin? So um, about two weeks ago on a Tuesday at around 3 p.m., Vanessa, my wife, texts me and says, yeah, I know you know Vanessa's my wife, but for those who, you know, obviously might not. Are you sure that you know who your wife is? You know, sometimes I wonder, (laughs) you know, I'm just so... It's still in awe sometimes she married me. But I will say, she texts me around like 3, 3.30, and she's like, hey, there's a, f- a fire in our apartment, and I'm trapped in the closet. And I'm like, I'm, I'm training at my new job. And I'm like, wait, what? And so my manager is like, hey, if you got to go, go. So I'm speeding down the road, going around 80 and a 45, and, you know, everything's a blur. I'm contacting the fire department. They're saying that there's already someone in route. And, you know, I finally get there and she's fine. She just had, I don't want to say smoke in her lungs, but, you know, she she inhaled quite a bit of smoke. So they were just keeping her for a little bit to ensure that she was okay. But the cause of it was just, you know, power went out when she had some in the stove, walked away, thought she turned it off. But, you know, you know how that goes. And then here's a little explosion. She goes out sees smoke and fire gets spooked and then runs into the closet as you know she what you know it's a panicky situation luckily our kids were over her her mother's so she didn't have to worry about trying to rescue them but yeah it was a pretty intense situation yeah so are you are you guys at the house now or are you where are you so I'm in the apartment by myself um, for several reasons. One, I don't like my family. No, I'm um, oh, no. mainly because <laughs> no, mainly because the internet at because we're staying with uh, my in-laws right now, which is very sweet of them. Um, but the internet works really well here, but not so much uh, at their place, and so. Essentially, we're fine to be here right now, but they're doing a lot of work. So we just don't, we're just not staying here. There's no stove. The There's handprints all over the walls where people were, you know, there's still like sooty handprints where people were like moving stuff. And it's a huge mess, but it's getting cleaned up. But I can be here without wheezing because the smoke is all gone. So if not for the podcast, though, like you're you're staying over at your your um, your your parent in laws, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gotcha. Just making sure that you weren't, you know, just hanging out in a smoke filled apartment by yourself. No, no, if if, if it comes to that, then, you know, we'll I'll I'll buy a van and live by the river (laughs) if I need to. Uh, Well, how are the girls? I mean, obviously. Uh, the little one has no concept of what's going on, but how's Kaya? Does she have an understanding of what's going on at all? No, she just thinks it's one big play date and that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it, it, I don't want to say it's a little challenging, but you know, there's, we're back in Vanessa's, um, bedroom in high school. So it's weird. Um, at least for me, cause I'm used to my own space. Now I don't have my own space and, but it, I'm very fortunate that her parents live so close by and are so willing to allow us to, you know, stay with them. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, you know, but besides that, you know, Kaya's fine. Ava doesn't have a care in the world. And, and Vanessa's fine because, of course, you know, she didn't die in a fire. So, right. they, yeah. so there's that. Do they have like a time frame when like everything should be done. Are you guys going to go back into this apartment? You know, will it be livable? Are you going to have to relocate? It will be done. Um, 
thy kingdom come. <laughs> but no, so they haven't given us a time frame. Um, you know, the time frame that I've kind of given them is, you know, as long as a piece of string. They, right. you know, they're they're lovely people here. But in terms of, of competency, it's like really low. So I'm just kind of like, okay, when it's done, it's done. I was just going to say, it's like Kramer's like idea of, you know, you go to a restaurant and you make your own pizza. You know, we have an apartment fire and we have to clean it up. You make your own, you build your own pie. Build your own pie. Yeah. So now it's like, you know, do we have to clean up the mess? Yeah. You know, so. I mean, this could be that opportunity you've wanted. I mean, we've talked about it before. You want to move. This could be that catalyst right there to get you out of that apartment. You know, it it, it might as well be the um, harbinger of um, moving, you know, because, I mean, quite frankly, they're they're expecting us to pay, which is, is fair. But, you know, we can't pay if we disappear, you know. <laughs> All right. So this Justin, my little brother and his wife are escaping the United States to head back to Bermuda. Yes. Or Ivory Coast, whichever is cheaper. Or or Ivory Coast. Yeah, that's right. We didn't even really cover that before. I mean, it is a really interesting, fascinating story about the two of you in that one. Obviously, you're 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 from Bermuda. We've covered that. But your absolutely stunning wife, Vanessa, is from the Ivory Coast. And both of you are essentially two immigrants that now have two yep. American-born uh, daughters. Yeah, you know, they are, um, you know, Kai and Ava are essentially first-generation Americans in terms of, in you know, our family. And the cool thing is, I mean, Vanessa's story is really cool. Um, I'm not going to go into too, too much details, but I will say, you know, she was actually originally born in Rome, Italy. So at one point she had... Um, Italian uh, citizenship and you know right now it's a little tricky to get that renewed but you know she she was only there for like I think three or four months and then she moved to Ivory Coast and then she came here in 2007 I hope she doesn't listen because this is like a test no, no, no. I, I promise you, your wife doesn't listen. My wife doesn't listen. You know, okay. like they spend their time with us throughout the day. Like this is like free territory for them not to have to worry about hearing us talk for an hour. So this is like, a, this is a safe space, my friend. This is. And, and, you know, it's funny speaking of which I'll wake Vanessa up throughout the night when I have something interesting to say she won't remember any of it but I remember distinctly it was like maybe five nights ago I thought of something and I said I woke her up and I said hey what if spiders had shoes and she looked at me turned back around and went back to bed (laughs) so yeah yeah, I'm glad she doesn't have to listen to this yeah did she give you that I, by the way, I love your wife. I, I don't think it's any secret, but did she give you that that classic Vanessa look where she just looks at you and like, I can't believe that I associate with this guy. Yeah, that's the 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 imprint. You know how you leave a TV on and it's imprinted with the, the last image it was uh, right. associated with? That, yeah, whenever she looks at me, it's like that imprint of, oh, Jesus, what is going to come out of his mouth this time? <laughs> Um, we joke, but Vanessa is just, just amazing. And yeah, I, I, I adore her and obviously your, your daughters as well, but, um, not to completely segue into, I mean, I could, I could yap around, uh, with you forever, but what the fuck, man, why are you here today? What, what's going on? What do you want to talk about? Well, um, as you know, We touched upon it briefly, I think, in the thing, how, you know, I'm I'm terrified of very little. However, one of my greatest fears is, um, used to be Robin Williams. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, um, I just thought talking about, you know, one of my favorite films, I have several favorite Robin Williams films because he's, he is such an amazing, you know, was such an amazing thespian. Um, and one of my favorite, you know, roles that he played in was um, John Keating in uh, Dead Poet Society. So, you know, if we can take a stab at talking about that, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. And while we're recording this, it's actually been kind of a important week because this, what was it, two days ago, represents the the sixth anniversary of, of his passing. Yes. So it 
it, it's good timing. Now, of course, when this episode releases, it might be a week, might be two weeks. I might never release this yeah. episode. I don't know. But as we're recording it, uh, Robin Williams, this uh, we we celebrate or we honor rather we honor the uh, the passing of of his death what six years ago so i'm i'm thrilled i'm i i quite thoroughly enjoy dead poet society so i'm looking forward to this discussion do you want to do a little a little brief introduction as to what this movie is i know you've got a lot of experience with this film and it touches on a lot of things that i know that you're passionate about so yes you know, uh, tell me a little bit about this movie. You don't have to go super in depth or shit if you yeah. want to. Feel free, but I open up the floor to you. Yeah. So, it, if I'm not mistaken, I was always um, I'm not too much of a stickler on the exact time frame, but I think it was like in 19 in the 1950s. I know that much. 1959. You are correct, sir. Yes. I'm, that was see, actually. You might not be, but I am that stickler. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more of the, the, the themes and the underlying issues. I, I you know, it, essentially it's um, revolves around several characters, but mainly um, Neil Perry, right? Yes. Neil Perry, who, who, you know, is going to Welton Academy, a very prestigious boys school in the 1950s, 1959 to be exact. And, you know, during that time, there's actually a new English teacher, John Keating, who is essentially questioning the status quo of this very prestigious and affluent school as, you know, with these students going here, they are future bankers, lawyers, and it's as if it's all predetermined by their parents because their pockets are deep and, you know, their their futures are, are bright. And of course, with that, you know, he, he, he has a very unorthodox way of teaching, you know, literature, especially poetry, which is one of my, you know, favorite things is I love writing poetry. I haven't written in, in, you know, gosh, I don't even know, but I have, I have a nice little book of, of poems, you know, from when I was a teenager and they were very angsty to more, you know, abstract poems now, but it definitely hits close to home. Yeah. And that's essentially what the film revolves around is these, these kids coming of age and, and learning that not everything is black and white and can be predetermined. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think that's, that's perfect. Now, did you see this movie when you were younger or was this something that you discovered as you got older or what, what is your history? What is your origin story, if you will, on, on dead poet society? Yeah, so I actually first saw this film when I was 12 or 13. That was when I first started getting into, you know, literature, when I started, like, really enjoying reading and really enjoyed writing. And I'm not just talking about um, my Lord Byron story that I wrote to you. Um, But, you know... By the way, one of the greatest stories ever. I know I've got that somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember the gist of Lord Byron? Um, well, I mean, it was my um, Magus Opus, so I would I would have to say. <laughs> um, it re- I know it revolved around a knight. I think he rescued someone. I honestly, as every great writer, I was inebriated <laughs> while writing it. Inebriated? You were like eight. I was high off that breast milk. What, was I in the Navy at that time? or You were. You I- were. And my my sweet, sweet brother, for whatever reason, when he was younger, he thought I I was a good dude. And he, yeah, he, he looked up to me and it was really sweet. And he, he'd write me stories. And I can't remember, was it you or Matthew that would draw pictures? I or would you, also draw pictures. You would also draw pictures. Yeah. But I was on I was on the ship. And you would, yeah, like there were, I had received a story or two, and one of which was Lord Byron. I have that, that time frame, right? Like, so I think yeah. you might have been like six or seven years old when I got yeah. my first story from you. Oh, my God. What happened to that kid? Um, just after you didn't write back, I was Whatever. just kind of like. <laughs> Whatever. No, because I even 
I even remember you even showed me that you were wanting because you even got um, it was either a gift from someone or you got it for yourself. It was a calligraphy set and you were actually planning on writing a letter back to me in calligraphy because I was trying to write in old English. So yeah. that's story. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that in years, but yeah. shit, when you just brought that up, I, I you know, just took me back to uh, a, a different time. We, yeah. So when I was in the Navy and shit before that, when, before I had joined the Navy and I was living in Bermuda, cause Nathan and I, there's a 14 year age gap. So a lot of, a lot of our memories before in our adult our adulthood, you know, I was, 18, 19, 20, 21, when I was living in Bermuda. And at that time, you know, Nathan was four to seven years old. And yeah, yeah we, we had some good times, man. Did. I once casted my little brother as a star of this uh, short that I was working on, right? You, re- you remember that, right? Yeah, not because you have two little brothers. One of oh, them. Oh wait, oh wait. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't cast you as the lead in that in that short. If you want to go down this road, it's going to devolve <laughs> from Dead Poet Society to Superstring. And if you really want a, an analytical piece from me about that, I certainly can provide. So uh, just to you know, just break uh, break away from all that stupidness. But yeah, no, uh, Nathan very much like myself has always been intrigued by writing. And for Nathan, poetry was one of the things that was kind of your entry, if you will, into this. So I, I totally get that when you would have saw this movie around 12, 13 years old, it would have it would have lit a spark for you. Additionally, one thing that I'm kind of curious about. Now, for our listeners, all six of them, I believe that they, for the most part, really don't understand what, now granted, you didn't go to a boarding school, I didn't go to a boarding school, but the Bermudian curriculum is a lot different than the American public school system. And I imagine that where you went to primary and secondary school would have been more closely aligned to Welton in that uh, and maybe uh, I see you shifting around with your tie. I don't know if that, if that you're, you're kind of segueing into dress code and, um, the, the formality and, and whatnot of what that education system was like. Yeah. So it definitely wasn't, and I was just maybe a jerk. Um, but I will <laughs> say with, with Welton, even when I was going to, um, Soltis, uh, you know, go nights, um, we, I definitely saw some some parallels to it as, you know, it was a rigid dress code and, you know, I'm even wearing my, my school tie um, just for the fun of talking about Welton Academy. And it was definitely, you know, not to big up Soltis, but it was definitely one of the best schools on the island, if not in the islands. Um, it's very prestigious. Even the Canadians know it. Some of the American expats know it. But I definitely saw parallels because... It was definitely like by the book, prim and proper, very preppy. And when I was watching, you know, Welton, I very much, well, Dead Poets Society and, you know, the school of Welton, I very much connected to uh, Neil, obviously, because he's the one of the main protagonists. I definitely connected to him. Not so much as we can get into this later on, but, you know, one of the differences was, in fact, the the lack thereof of support with their parents. Everyone's future was essentially predetermined. And with Niels, his father really wanted him to be a banker, if I'm not mistaken. No, a, a lawyer. Yeah, and a lawyer. He, yep, and he really was into theater, one of my other second loves because I loved poetry and theater. And I really resonated with that character because he had a, a very intense love for the arts however where we differ is my parents were very supportive of you know me taking an interest in the arts and even to the point where my dad well our dad was telling me stories about how he did a school play called the the mouse that roared which is a very interesting book and then it turned into a play format at his school and I, I just thought it was it was an amazing parallel because I'm going through at this point 
teenage angst and hormones and you know trying to find my my right and wrong in the world and meanwhile i'm watching these kids at welton deal with similar things obviously because it's a boarding school they're away from their parents who aren't really there to begin with so it's a it's a very interesting dynamic that they're having to navigate and negotiate yeah yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. Now, obviously, so much of this film revolves around a teacher that just that inspires, right? I mean, you you, you talk about Neil, and you know, you've got Todd played by uh, Ethan Hawke, and so a big focal point is how this teacher does inspire them. And I'm I'm kind of curious because you know this movie is obviously very educational and theatrical in that respect but did you have any any teachers that did you have any teachers that when you watch this you saw them you saw mr keating in them or 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 vice versa at all yeah it's funny i had two and neither of them were english teachers as i did not like english teachers um i wish they were like keating however the two teachers that really inspired me to be creative was actually my design technology teacher, uh, Mr. Parker, who, you know, gave me another love of, of woodworking and, you know, was like, you know, everything has a story to tell. Sometimes it's on paper. Sometimes it's in the form of making a cabinet or making a, a box. And that really resonated with me because he, he told the whole class, but it honestly felt like he was telling it to me. And I still think about that man because he's such a, a fantastic person. Um, he's still alive, but he doesn't teach anymore. And then the other teacher was actually my, my gym teacher, um, who at one point was Bermuda's first choice goalkeeper, uh, Mr. Figueredo, Timothy Figueredo. Um, actually, Actually, I don't think he was our first choice. Um, <laughs> let me not get carried away. <laughs> so, I doubt Figueroa's watching this, but hey, I love the guy. He was my my PE teacher. He always he always pushed me to do better. And you know, like I said, it's funny how you know my Mr. Keatings had nothing to do with English, but it was all about expressing yourself. And they were very supportive in the fact that hey, just because you're playing rugby or you're making a cabinet or you're, you know, sanding or varnishing or learning how to throw a javelin, expressing yourself and telling a story with what you're doing is, is vitally more important than the actual act of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. I think, I think that's fantastic. No, I, I was a horrible, I was a horrible student in, in high school. I, I mean, I went to all my classes, but I was kind of like, who was it? Was it Knox? Was Knox kind of that that one? I I, I, I get Knox and the other student mistaken. Knox and, and Richie. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I can't. I can't remember. But one of them was a bit of. He sat in the back, and he was a bit of a smart ass. And but yeah, Richard himself okay. sat in the back. But Mr. Keating had that inspired him, right? I mean, you had this, uh, this one student that really didn't apply himself and he didn't really give a shit. He was inspired by Keating. And I was kind of, kind of like that student in that, you know, I went to class, but I really, I never really applied myself, but I did have one, one teacher that did inspire me. And he was my freshman English teacher. Uh, his name was Mr. Giles. And I liked him so much that I took him again for like my 12th grade English class. But yeah, I think in like my, my 12 years of regular, regular school, that was really the only teacher that got anything out of me. And maybe because he, he looked at the world a little bit differently. I think we can all relate to having that one and, and that, that teacher was mine. So well, um, there are a lot of things I want to talk about when I think about this movie, but I don't want to linger on forever. So I do want to get into a couple key moments in the film. And I think, you you know, but I, I am curious to know if you do have any any memorable scenes that you think of when you think of this film. Yeah, three come to mind immediately. However, I'll just pick one just for, you know to make it smooth um, is probably the 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 first lesson where he brings them down to the no no yeah the first lesson where he brings them down to the, all the old alumni and you know it's uh carpe diem boys sees the day and you know he's having them lean close and he's like you know listen to him you can still hear their stories and he's he's like you know carpe diem 
if I could, there's a there's a second scene that I, I really enjoyed, um, and it was you know that was a fair the carpe diem was a very serious scene because it was like showing like you know you can etch your own future as opposed to just being like one of these guys at Welton who used to go to Welton who lived uh, a fantastically you know wealthy life maybe but in terms of fulfillment who knows the other scene that i really liked when they started getting the respect for him was when he stood up on the table to get a better perspective of everything and he had the students stand up on the tables and to me it was just a a fantastic film because i realized how not very tall robin williams was um (laughs) and he's around maybe like three inches taller than me and then you know for those who don't know I'm five foot four, um, five foot six in in Cuban stack heels, and I am, you know, obtaining a very large collection of Cuban stack heels now. But you are every bit of that five four, my man. I mean, you 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 know, you're 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 a tall you're a tall five four. Okay, I mean, because like Michael J. Fox is five four, right? I mean, but yeah, you're you're you carry yourself much taller. I do. I I'm a um. I'm taller than Shaq, the way I carry myself, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but no, I really like those scenes because it, it's a fantastic juxtaposition of how, you know, influential Robin Williams can be in a very serious aspect of the film to a, a fairly fun loving point in the film where, you know, he, he goes from talking about, those of the past to, you know, sometimes it's always fantastic to get a better perspective. And so I stand on the desk to see things from a, a new world. I, I completely agree. This movie, when when I think about it, and I think this movie are like, it, it's a series. I and mean, I don't know if vignettes are the, are, are the, the is really the, the phrase to use, but the movie doesn't necessarily flow in a... I don't even really know the best way to phrase it, but we're getting, we're getting sections. It's not like you're, you're, you're tracking, you know, like the course of a week. It's kind of like the course of maybe like a school year, but the way like each scene it's, it's kind of like a block off. Right. I mean, so you, you get like their introduction and then you see them starting a club and you know, there's play and, the whole concept of the time frame that we're watching isn't really specified. So you, you, the movie is just a collection of like little, little vignettes, if you will. And that specific one, when he's standing on the desk and having them take the world, you know, take a look at the world through different perspective is a really cool scene. I don't think there's any reason to beat about beat around the bush. And I don't know if you're trying to like pass this alley-oop over to me, but um, I mean, there, there are two other, big moments in the film and i mean I, I we'd be remiss if we didn't mention you know the 400 pound gorilla in the room which is the suicide scene right the the neil perry um suicide scene after the play you know he he really wanted to do this play his father was not supportive you know he essentially just completely completely negated his son's feelings because that wasn't his idea of of what a man is and and what he wanted his son to become so after the after the play he perry got a, a standing ovation for the phenomenal performance that he he did and for the life of me i'm trying to remember the the actual play that they did um, um midsummer night's dream yes absolutely i did that was one of the last plays i did for high school so that's really weird that i forgot that (laughs) Um, i was i was um lysander i think all right and we're back my apologies to our listeners we had a little technical difficulty there for about a minute and a half we're having some classic atlanta thunderstorm weather so we lost nathan while he was in the midst of giving uh, a very very eloquent kind of speech about uh, this one particular scene in the film in which we lose one of our, our central characters in a a teenage uh, suicide scene in which basically we have the, the star of the play, a midsummer night's dream. 
and he is riding the high of it. And as a result of his overbearing father, Kurtwood Smith, who those of us who have listened to previous episodes of Stanford Cinema may remember him as the villain from RoboCop. Anyway, Kurtwood Smith plays an asshole once again. And in this case, the the father of one of our, our principal characters, played by Robert Sean Leonard. I might be wrong. He's one of those actors that has like three names. And I know I can hop on IMDb, but he was also in My Best Friend's Vampire. And he was on the TV show House. I want to say Robert Sean Leonard. You would be correct. Okay, good, 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 good. So... It's he's riding the high of this play and everybody's congratulating him and it, it's the the thrill of a lifetime. It's everything that he wanted and he delivers this beautiful monologue and his father's watching him and he thinks maybe, maybe his father finally understands this is who I am and no, you know. Father uh, is not too happy. He pulls him away from all the accolades and celebrations of his classmates and uh, his teacher, Mr. Keating, says, get in the car. We're going home. And they go home and they say, you know, you're going to, I think, like a military school or something Mm -hmm. like to that effect and sends him off to bed. And it's a cold winter night. And I don't know if the movie is in like New Hampshire or Vermont, but it's very much like a New England, you know, prep school. And you have this really, really sad scene of of this kid essentially just ending it all with a with a bullet, and then the father's sad realization that that you know his son has committed suicide, and quite frankly, it's a result of his of his uh, overbearing nature. So kind of rambled on there for two minutes but nathan said it far better but i just wanted to bring us kind of back to speed and nathan please take it away where uh, where you were at before yes i mean i just i was just kind of making a a parallel to it's interesting to see you watching this as someone in like 2006 2007 even today in in 2020 and even the kids from yesteryear are still dealing with teenage angst and feeling like there's not a way out as, as you, as you stated earlier, you know, um, I cheated. He played puck. I was not puck. I was Lysander. Um, (laughs) and puck is a very, very cool character in the story as he's a, a jokester, everything that, that Neil wasn't puck was, and it was kind of his, escape from reality as as neil was a very timid character towards the beginning you know not a lot going for him but during the play he was able to open up and sort of have a a metamorphosis if you will and a realization like this is what i want to do but overbearing fathers being overbearing fathers who can admit that they're wrong led to uh, a very sad um, suicide, and you know it—it's it, definitely that definitely hit close to home. Unlike um, Perry's father, my dad was—you know—our dad was very supportive of the arts, um, especially when I was, you know, expressing myself that way. Um, but I did go through some things during high school, and and I found a lot of solace in Neil's character. I love Ethan Hawke. Um, but I will say it got real when I, when I watched it and, and Neil committed suicide. Um, so there's, there's that. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that's fantastic, but you a moment ago brought up Ethan Hawke. So I, I think, I think now's the time to talk about the scene, the, Oh, captain, my captain scene. Do you, I mean, would you, you, I think, I think, are you ready? I think, I think now's the time to, to chat about this, right? Yeah. I mean, Oh, captain, my captain was, was definitely like one of the most pivotal scenes, um, to the point where it was so iconic that in 2014 robin williams obituaries usually started with oh captain my captain um which rightfully so it was it was his role but it was definitely an awe-inspiring film or an awe-inspiring scene as 
they were coming to the realization that, you know, they were at fault for getting him fired as they signed the paperwork, essentially stating that because of his unorthodox teachings, it led to Neil's death, even though we all know it was Neil's father. So they, they recited the, Oh, captain, Oh, captain, um, as a, as a beautiful send off. Yeah. And I think the re I mean, there are many reasons why this scene works and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this one first because of the fact that I, I think it's the least important, but it's still, it's so perfect and so great, but the iconic music score that is kind of swelling throughout that scene. It's just so beautiful, but what, and Robin Williams is fantastic in this film and I'm not going to take anything away from, you know, away from him, but that scene only works because of what Ethan Hawke brings to that scene. And this was a character that for the most part, right. Uh, his name was Todd Anderson. I want to say was yes. his name. Yeah, okay. Todd. So he was kind of like a, a legacy student, if you will. Like his older brother was like the valedictorian. Uh, I don't know if it was a year before or a couple years before, and he was just this very, very like all Welton student that everybody yeah. looked up to, and. Ethan Hawke's character was every bit the opposite of that. You know, he, he was shy. He was reserved. He worked really hard. Uh, you know, he, he focused in a different way. And, you know, as a result, he was a little bit more closed off. You know, he, I don't necessarily know if he was living in the shadow of his brother, but the weight of who his brother was played a large yeah. part. So the whole idea of getting any attention and putting the attention on himself was the last thing that he wanted. And in a few of the little scenes that had pro- happened previously in the movie, you see Robin Williams trying to d- flesh out Ethan Hawke's character in encouraging him to uh, recite a play or rather recite a poem in front of the class and yeah. other little like nuances. And you see Ethan Hawke's character kind of grow and Ethan Hawke's character was the roommate of... Uh, Robert John Leonard's character, um, Neil. And so when Neil committed suicide, obviously it took a very, very large toll on on Mm -hmm. Todd. And he was kind of like the last nail in the coffin for Mr. Keating. You know, he he signed his name that it was Mr. Keating that uh, was indirectly responsible because of his teaching methods. And he has that really, you know, that moment where he apologizes and says, Hey, look, it, you know, it was me. It, it, you know, we it, were sorry they forced to do it. And Mr. Keenan's like, I know, I know. And meanwhile, the, the headmaster is telling him to sit down. And again, this all goes back to uh, another conversation that Neil and Todd had that he couldn't be the guy that that would ever inspire. He couldn't be the guy that would lead anything. And Ethan Hawke has, you know, just stands on his desk and he turns and he's the one that launches into, you know, uh, that starts the, oh, captain, my captain. And then in turn, he inspires, you know, the, my memory always believed like it was every student in the class, but it was really only like half the students in the class, but he inspired half. Yeah. It was only those of like the, the remaining dead poets. That's all that, that stood up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he inspired half the class to essentially put their, their lives on the line, you know, for their teacher. And, uh, and it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful, tender moment, but it, as I stated like three minutes ago, because as I've been rambling on, I'll do that. If, if you've listened to this podcast, I'll have these lengthy monologues to myself. Um, but that yeah. scene, I firmly believe only really works. And not to take anything away from Robin Williams. I mean, fuck, he's an Oscar winning actor. But I think yeah. it was just the baby faced um, innocence of Ethan Hawke's character that really, really made it work. And and it's crazy. This movie came out in 1989. We're now yeah. 31 years removed, right? I mean, that's how long Ethan Hawke has been acting. I mean, this wasn't even his first film. You know, I mean, shit, he had been making movies for at least 
five, six years previously uh, to this movie. So it, 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 it's wild to think of, uh, of this kid actor who's grown on to be, um, you know, an A-list adult actor over his time. And even as a child, he was able to fucking bring the heat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, you know, definitely on one of the most iconic scenes like you know the the first one that i i thought we were going to touch on but you know it was it was fairly inconsequential the the ripping of the pages the ripping mm, of the introduction right. but i will say what i really like about and I'm, I'm a huge stickler for metaphors because of course that's that's my thing i like writing poetry so this is right on my alley but do you know who wrote um oh captain my captain that poem that they recited i do because i remember in the film but for the listeners if, you, if you've got anything you want to say about uh, walt whitman go for it yeah so i mean walt whitman wrote that uh poem um in remembrance of you know the second greatest president ever um abraham lincoln mourning his death uh um, who's the who's the greatest i'll give you one hint he's huge <laughs> anyway <laughs> no, anyway but not to politicize everything but i will say um you know metaphorically and i'm not comparing keating to abraham lincoln but in a way keating was their liberator so to speak and i will say that of course with abraham lincoln he he did some pretty important things um during his presidency you know typically you know typically associated with the abolishment of slavery and like i said i'm not trying to compare uh lincoln was also a fan of the theater he was yeah you know he loved it to death (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) but you know to segue back into it you know it's it's a very interesting metaphor as you know i don't know if this is what they were trying to do but of course with you know keating being their their liberator so to speak it kind of worked well in in you know conjunction with the the original context of the poem which i thought is always interesting yeah no without a doubt i love that I, I also just like the the character development, you know, the fact that it was shot in such a way chronologically for them to grow respect for the character over time. You know, as you were talking about the, the vignettes, um, so to speak, which I, I think is a fantastic way of describing this film. It's, it's like mini stories within that story, as of course, they're not gonna show when Mr. Keating is, you know, just reading from Shakespeare's sonnet 134, whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, You're not going to see him brushing his teeth in the middle of the evening or anything like that. Yeah. You know, know, I will say like to segue into, you know, what you want to talk about. I, I would love to hear some interesting factoids that I know you have brewing. I I don't really necessarily have factoids. Well, I've I've got a couple like, like, like trivia questions that I'll, I'll pose in my little, you know, pop quiz trivia. I've got like five, like trivia questions I'll, I'll throw okay. out. But more than anything, because of the fact that we we started talking about Robin Williams, and I think it, it's something that we should kind of go back to. I, I know we've also in a previous episode and you started off talking about uh, Robin Williams was an actor that comically was somebody that kind of scared you. But I know that actually knowing you, 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 you thoroughly enjoy Robin Williams's work. And oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious if you don't have to really put too much thought into it, but do you have like your top five favorite Robin Williams movies? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What do you got? That's easy. Um, Dead Poet Society. Okay. Aladdin. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jumanji, of course, okay. um, the scariest film of all time. Sure. And I want to say the name is um, Good Morning Vietnam, I think is the name yeah. of it. I could be yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I always mix up Good Morning Vietnam with Radio Vietnam because I always think of um, Radio Mohawk from Not the Um Um. I always mix up the two. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, for. Yeah, for for your non Bermudian listeners, not the um um was a a show or you know a, a comedy troupe about you know not the um um show and one of their skits was Radio Mohawk. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, if I may, I would like to throw out my my top five. If you if you're if you have any interest at all, absolutely. So hot take. I've thought about this. I don't know if Dead Poet Society is in my top five of Robin Williams's performances. That being said, I thoroughly enjoy. I thoroughly enjoy yeah. performance. And but for me. Robin Williams isn't the best part of this movie. It's, it's Robert Sean Leonard and it's Ethan Hawke. Yeah. But, 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 but I love Robin Williams. So I, I don't want it to come off as, you know, that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I thoroughly, 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 thoroughly enjoy him in this movie. But my top five, uh, number one, it's Mrs. Doubtfire. For me, that That's is... Cool. That's my favorite performance. My number two is his Oscar-winning performance in Goodwill Hunting. I I love him in Goodwill Hunting. I love him. I love him. I love him in Goodwill yeah. Hunting. And I always forget about that one. Yeah. Uh, number three, Aladdin. I think I, you know it, it, it's a cartoon, but you it, it was on your list. It's on my list, and he's a fucking genie. You know, like he, yeah. and he was perfect. <laughs> uh, number four, yeah. Your your ultimate nightmare, Jumanji. Um, yep, I have a fun fact about Jumanji, but go on with your list. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait. My number five is a shitty film. All right, but it is my shitty film. I love this movie, and when I say it's a shitty film, it's like eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Right? Uh, it okay. is the nineteen eighty six Harold Ramis Club Paradise. I don't know if you've ever seen this. You very well no. may. You, yeah, a lot of people haven't. It it's mostly been forgotten, and probably for good reason. It's not a fantastic film, but I do love this movie. And the reason why I love it, that it, it does give me a, a ton of nostalgia. One, I love the cast. It has a ton of SCTV alumni. So you've got uh, Rick Moranis, you've got Eugene Levy, you've got Andrea Martin. Uh, a couple other, and these are all like Canadian actors. They had like this Canadian troupe or Canadian TV shows, SCTV, around the same time as uh, Saturday Night Live in the 70s. And a lot of these classic Canadian comedians came out as a result of it. But a ton of really, really great talent. Um, but additionally, you have uh, the likes, obviously, of uh, Robin Williams. You've got supermodel Twiggy. Uh, she was in it. You've got Peter fucking O'Toole. Yeah, Peter O'Toole is in this movie. And he Lovely. is perfect. He is amazing. Even though he was nominated for a Razzie for his performance in this movie, I argue that this was his second best. No, I don't say this isn't his second best film. But no, Peter O'Toole was amazing in this movie. He plays the governor. And it's this tiny little, little island. And... Robin Williams plays this firefighter that uh, he's on disability and he leaves, he, le- he leaves Chicago and he goes to this tiny little Island. And Oh, yeah. did I say Jimmy cliff is in the movie? No. Fucking Jimmy cliff reggae, like, you know, like Mount Rushmore equivalent reggae artist. Jimmy cliff is in this yeah. movie. He's fucking acting. It reminded me of when I was a kid and I saw this movie a lot as a kid, you know, like, so the listeners may have heard me talk about this, but as a kid, you know, I'd live a little bit in the States, go to Bermuda, live a little bit in the States, go to Bermuda, went back and forth, back and forth uh, through the first 20 years of my life. But that movie always reminded me of being home. I always thought about yeah. being in Bermuda whenever I watched that. And Robin Williams shares a striking resemblance to my father, not necessarily by their by their face, but they're both oddly tanned and even more oddly hairy chested. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I just don't know. I love our dad and oh, we joke, we joke, but yeah. So club paradise was just a movie that reminded me of being in Bermuda and yeah. And Robin Williams' character reminded me of that. And Robin Williams has always reminded me a little bit of our father. And I think, yeah. and I think in many ways, Robin Williams also reminds a lot of people of their father. He, he was kind of like America, like for, um, you know, millennials and Gen X kids, uh, the later Gen X kids, he kind of was like America's dad for, for many people, yeah. you know? And 
So yeah, that's, that's why I had club paradise on there. I'm not encouraging or advocating anybody watching it, but shit, go for it. I love the movie. It's great. Jimmy cliff uh, does a lot of the songs on the soundtrack and the, the song, the lions awake again is one of my all time favorite reggae songs. But anyway, I digress. I do want to move over into the trivia because we've been on this for a little while and I want to keep you up on all night. But yeah. if you've got anything else before we do kind of a pop quiz, I, you know, I, I open up the floor to you now, or if you're just ready to test your knowledge, I'm, you know, I'm down for that too. I'm just ready to, to test my knowledge. All right. So last time I think you got one out of five, maybe two out of five. Two out of five. Two out of five, bro. All right. Yep. So hopefully you've done your, your research. Here we go. Question number one. What are the four pillars of Welton? Uh, <laughs> it's like the first. Um, it's like the first line of the movie. It's it's um, I know it's tradition. I know it's honor. Honor is one. I was gonna say hard work, but I know it's honor. Um, and you know excellence. It's excellence. Are you cheating? I am not. I am not cheating. Okay. Um, I got honor, excellence, tradition. Shit, that's it. I can't so, remember the other one. We got three out of four, so I'm going to count that. All right. So you've got tradition. You've got honor. You've got excellence. Excellence is the fourth one. The third one that you forgot, discipline. Mm, something that I don't have. No. Yeah, discipline. Yeah, definitely. All right. Here we go. Question number two. I know you know this one because it, it happens in one of the scenes you talked about earlier. So what does, or yeah, what does Keating tell the boys to make their lives? He tells them to make their lives blank. Oh, the funny thing is I watched this film like three nights ago (laughs) to kind of get in, make your lives um, not great. It's better than great. This is the pivotal scene where he's, he's talking to them in front of the dead dudes. And he's like, seize the day, boys, make your lives Fuck, I'm drawing a blank. I want to say excellent, but it's not because that's not a word he would have used. Um, give me give me a hint if you don't mind. All right. It is it is not ordinary. Extraordinary. Very extraordinary. Go. Make yeah. lives extraordinary. There yep. you go. All right, boom. I knew it. All right. I'm not counting that, but uh, so you're one for two. I am. All right. Uh, you can, that's fine. All right. So what, what does Keating think of the boys, uh, like the, like the boys textbooks? He call what does he think of the, uh, the introduction? He calls it, it's another Trash, word. Garbage. He, calls it, he calls it another word that starts with the letter E. Ex- oh, excrement. excrement. There you go. Excrement. Boom. Excrement. Yep. Because, yep. He's like, yeah, read the uh, introduction. Go ahead and rip it out. And then Charlie rips it out. Charlie's the, the slacker. I remember Charlie. Charlie, okay, okay. Yeah, because he's in the back and he like rips it out. He's yep. like, "Thank yep. you, Charles." Yes, that yep. that that was me. That that's who I was in school. And uh, come to find out, a little like a little lesser known fact, I did sit in the back a lot when I was a student, and I didn't necessarily perform a lot. Found out much in a similar way to the kid finds out in the movie. A little Miss Sun, little Miss Sunshine. I'm colorblind. I didn't know that until I was 20 years old, and it actually explains a lot on my inability to really like focus. Because back in the day, we actually had real chalkboards, like and chalkboards are like green. And when people mm-hmm. and like like colored chalk, I have a green red deficiency, and I didn't really necessarily know that at the time because they didn't fucking test for that shit like back in the day. Yeah, I didn't know until I was 20 years old and I was joining the Navy. And they, they gave me like a, like a sight test and I couldn't see anything. And they're like, are you colorblind? I'm like, I don't know. No, I don't think so. And then they gave me a test. I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then they give me a test and they're like, yeah, you're, you're fucking colorblind, dude. And I'm like, huh, huh. Well, that makes, that makes a world of sense. So great job. Yeah. So question number, 
don't know, four, I think. Yeah, question number three. four. That was three. Well, you're on four now. Oh, my bad, my bad. Yep, you're right. Yeah. Dude, I'm the one that's drinking whiskey. Come on now. Um, my bad. All right, <laughs> question host. number four. What is the name of the headmaster? Headmaster Nolan. Boom. I know that. I know that because I went to school with a guy named Nolan, and he was a prick. And so is Headmaster <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> That's awesome. So that's three for five. That might be a record on this show. So yeah. Um, well, it's three out of four. So actually, you're going to go four out of five if if. And this is a this is a gimme. This is a gimme question right here. Who are your top five on screen teachers? Doesn't matter who, but name me five of your favorite on screen teachers. Preferably movie teacher, but I'll allow you to use a um, a television teacher if you want. Okay, so do headmasters count? Yeah, we can count them. Okay, is this any film or in this film? No, 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 no. Like throughout the history of cinema, five okay. teachers. So um, this is real easy. I can okay. just go on one film, but I'm not going to. Um, I'll do. Albus Dumbledore from um, Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, my G. Um, Mr. Keating from obviously Dead Poet Society. I'll go left field and do um, Principal Spalding from uh, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I'll do uh, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. And lastly, I'll, I'll bring it on back to um, the wonderful Wizarding World of Harry Potter and do uh, Professor McGonagall. Ah, I like it. I like it. Two, yep. two Harry Potter references. Okay. I've got my one. I've got my top five. And I've got a few like honorable mentions. I only did film because if I did TV okay. shows, we'd be here forever. It wouldn't be fair. Yeah. So I did um, in no particular order, but I've got Miss Norberry played by Tina Fey um, okay. from Mean Girls. I had... Uh, Professor Snape from Harry Potter. Phenomenal. So here's a bit of a deep cut for many people, but he, honestly, he might have been my favorite on-screen teacher, and that was uh, Mr. Escalante, which uh, if you've ever saw the movie Stand and Deliver, it's a great, great movie, and the actor is Edward James Olmos, and it was like a 1980s film uh, Lou Diamond Phillips was in it, but it takes place at a, like predominantly like Latino school in the eighties. Oh, okay. and it's so good. It's so good. And like people of my age probably know it, but if you're a little bit younger, you, you probably haven't heard it. Or if you're a little bit older, you probably never watched it. But I, I would take Mr. Escalante over Morgan Freeman's character and lean on me, which by the way, I love lean on me as well. Yeah. I'm going to put a Morgan Freeman's uh, character in uh, Lean on Me as an honorable mention. But anyway, uh, Edward James Olmos and Stand and Deliver. I'm also for, I don't know, I think this is number four. I think this is my fourth pick. Uh, maybe it's my uh, my fourth pick. I'm going to take Dewey, yeah. uh, Jack Black, uh, School of Rock. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I've touched them and they've touched me. And <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number five, a teacher in the non-traditional sense, but my sensei, Mr. Miyagi. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Pat Morita. But I do have a couple honorable, honorable mentions. I mentioned Morgan Freeman. Uh, yeah. How about, how about doc, uh, not doctor, how about John Kimball, fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, kindergarten cop? You're a prick, because I was going to say kindergarten cop. <laughs> and... I've got Mr. Hand, played by uh, Ray Walston in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. And then a real, real deep cut here. But I'm going to take the actress Jo Beth Williams, who played Lisa Hammond in like a 1983-84 movie. It was called Teachers. And nobody, nobody really knows this movie, but I dreamed of having a Lisa Hammond as a teacher. (laughs) Uh, and I'll tell you why. One, it's Joe Beth Williams. And in the 80s, by the way, for those that don't know, Joe Beth Williams played the mother of um, 
uh, of the kids in the movie Poltergeist. And she was in a lot okay. of stuff, but she was smoking in the 80s. Just just a beautiful, beautiful actress. But the reason why she's on my list is very, very uh, immature of me. But there's a scene in the movie where she completely strips down in like the high school hallways. Oh, yes. And yeah, that was like my dream as an adolescent that I would have a, like a smoking hot teacher that would just just drop trowel in the hallway. So yeah. Uh, shout out to Joe yeah. Beth, Beth Williams, but also fuck you, Joe Beth, Joe Beth Williams, for breaking my heart. That never ever happened in my life. So damn it. So I didn't know we could do senseis because I have one movie sensei that I know you're probably thinking of, but I know you didn't mention. Um, Rex Quando. Rex Quando. I wasn't sure if you're going to go with that or if you're going to go like Surf Ninjas because that was uh, <laughs> was that you or Matthew that was obsessed with Surf Ninjas. He was, Matthew was obsessed with three ninjas and surf ninjas. That was his thing. It was camouflage and ninjas. Yeah, yeah, camouflage and ninjas, yeah. So our (laughs) other brother, Matthew, we we talk about him. I can't wait to get him on here. That'll be be so much fun. Uh, I think when we do it, it will be the three of us. I think think it just has to be all three of us just to flesh him out. Our brother, Matthew, is a bit more of an introvert, even more so than both Nathan and I. Matthew is kind of... Quiet. Would you agree? I would agree. You know, unless it's something that he's really excited about, and then he will go off. I guarantee the film he'll choose is probably The Rock um, with Sean Connery um, and Nicolas Cage. I think is the other main character. And is yeah, he main a big fan of The Rock? Oh, he loves The Rock. Yeah, that was his jam. We. I remember watching that on VHS so much that I think part of it burned. <laughs> That's how much he liked The Rock. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think we've just been yapping along. And honestly, I could do this. So I could, I could just keep doing this whenever I chat with you. I, I have so much fun, like, you know, talking with you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Absolutely. Before I completely wrap up, is there anything else that you want to add? Is there, uh, I'm just going to give you this opportunity before I, I start closing us down. Yeah, absolutely. Two little factoids I found out in terms of trivia. Um, and I thought we would have brought this up earlier, but, you know, towards the end, I think it'd just be fun little leaving notes. So um, Ethan Hawke had never met an Australian before um, Peter Ware, and he described Peter's Ware as um, he talked funny, as he didn't know what an Australian sound like. So he said, oh, he talked funny. Um, and the second one, you know, I told you about this earlier, but, you know, you'll pretend to be shocked, is what does Bill Murray, Liam Neeson, Dustin Hoffman have in common in relation to Dead Poet Society? I have absolutely no idea. Absolutely nothing. No, I'm kidding. They were all going to play um, John Keating. But after the original director backed out, when Peter Ware stepped in, Robin Williams took that role. That is a really cool fact. And yeah. that, that is something that I think I also want to kind of get into more when I start doing these podcasts is talk a little bit. I, I've done it a couple of times. I've kind of forgotten about it a bit, but do a little bit of the technical stuff. Because, yeah, we didn't even yeah. cover Peter Weir in this movie. And Peter Weir... I, like iconic filmmaker in a, a, I can't remember what episode, but I had mentioned the movie Gallipoli before. And he, oh, okay. and he directed Gallipoli, which is one of my favorite war films from like 1981. He did this movie. He did uh, the movie witness, which is one of the, like the all time fucking classics. If you've yeah. never seen witness, you need to watch it immediately. Uh, another movie that he did that doesn't get nearly enough play, but Another movie that also has Harrison Ford in it. It's called The Mosquito Coast. And Mosquito okay. Coast is a really, really good, albeit, you know, kind of bleak film, but it yeah. might be the best acting that Harrison Ford ever did. And I'm not, I'm not like that that's not hyperbole. If you want to see Harrison Ford act in maybe a role that you don't necessarily like him, he's not necessarily a villain, or maybe he is. I don't know. It's it depends on your perspective. But I, I don't think I've ever seen Harrison Ford put m- like more of his heart and soul into a uh, into a role mm-hmm. as I did when he did uh, the Mosquito Coast. But okay. he did a bunch of other shit. He did like Green Card, and he did the Truman Show. So another movie that Peter Weir did. So I was going to mention Truman Show too. Okay, yeah. So yeah. great, great resume uh, Peter Weir has. Or yeah. he's Australian, so I guess you would say CV, right? 
but yeah, see curriculum vita. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, good call out. Great, great call out. Any, any other factoids that you want to throw at us? You know, I, I kind of touched on it. Um, they, they did choose to shoot the film in chronological order in terms of like the progression of the actual film to get the kids more, on board with uh, Keating as opposed to shooting final scenes first. So the the influence he had on them was genuine in, in regards to like, this is the first time they're seeing it. And then lastly, uh, Peter Weir actually during the filming process actually had the students board with each other and also read books from the 1950s to see what a student's life was like during that time. So radio, film, uh, literature was like during that time. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So it was definitely a lot of method acting going on. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yep. All right. I know my thing. All right. Well, that's it. I mean, you, you throw something at me that I don't know that I'm, I need to immediately stop this podcast. So, Absolutely. Yeah. All right, brother. Uh, I do want to sincerely thank you very much. I am so glad that you and the family are safe. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that we kind of like, like under, under discussed it, but yeah, you guys had a fucking fire in your apartment and yeah. fortunately everybody is safe. The, the, the little ones weren't in there, you know, exactly. Vanessa is perfectly fine. Nothing seriously, seriously damaged. Right. I mean, you had a kitchen fire, but yeah. I mean, nothing. the only thing is our Amazon fire stick remote doesn't work anymore. So that's tragic. God damn it. Fuck this world. That's the extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like what like things that matter, everything you, you guys are good and you have your safety and that's great. And I'm so happy for that. I'm happy uh, you mentioned earlier that you have a brand new job. I'm glad that you've got that going on and seemingly uh, everything is going well there. So yeah. it, it, it's, I'm, I'm thrilled. It, it, it sounds like things are, you know, things are looking up for you guys and yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And I'm thankful that again, that you were able to come on this as always, you have an open invitation and in October, I would love to have you back and talk about, you know, horror films and uh, see what movie more than you want to talk about regarding that. That would be fun too. So yeah, but, absolutely. All right. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. But again, Nathan, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. As always, listeners, thank you very much. It is greatly appreciated that you tune in uh, during these episodes. And as always, please listen, like it or rate it, leave a review, subscribe, follow on Instagram, Twitter, all that bullshit. You know what to do. If you don't, this is Stamper Cinema, and all you have to do is hop on Instagram or Twitter and type that into the little search bar, and you will find my ugly mug right there. So thank you, goodbye, and I will see you next time on Stamper Cinema. <laughs>